calories, conversations, connecting collectors and art enthusiasts. GMGM everybody, welcome friends to episode three of Audio Galleries, the birthday edition, because it is my birthday today, Woo! and I'm hosting a Spaces on my birthday, so I must be crazy, but there we are, I chose Sundays, and Sundays will run with. So yes, this is a Rug Radio production uh, brought to you in partnership with Bueno. Uh, I am Benjamin White, the NFT 101. Um, A very quick disclaimer for you all. This show is not intended to, nor should it be treated as financial advice. So please do your own research and make your own decisions at all time and stay safe in Web3. Goodness knows that's apparent this week. Um, It's also a recorded spaces that will go on to be a published podcast. So consider this when requesting to speak. And then the second uh, pin tweet is um, my question of the day. And my question is, what is your favorite style of art? I would love to know. And I've had some really cool answers to that because I posted it out a little bit earlier. So that's great. Okay, so episode two was absolutely wonderful. A wonderful celebration of creativity with Pablo Stanley. Thank you again to the Audio Galleries family who supported us by listening and participating in the Mint for Dreamer. Audio Galleries is an educational, art-focused Web3 project working to connect emerging and established artists with a community of digital art collectors and enthusiasts. Hosted on Sundays at 8pm GMT, 3pm Eastern and 12pm Pacific, each show features an artist either emerging or firmly established, who is focused on creating incredible work and making it available via the blockchain. I interview each guest, giving you, the audience, an opportunity to learn more about their style, inspiration, process, previous works, and future plans. During the show, we launch an edition mint with artwork provided by our guest and available to purchase between $15 and $75. Um, Only holders of the Audio Gallery's Mint Pass are able to mint and collect these works. And I take a snapshot of wallets a few hours before the show starts. So that was done about four hours ago. Um, And the community will define the final supply after a 24-hour minting period. 70% of the revenue generated after tax goes directly to the artist. 10% comes to me. And 20% goes to the Audio Gallery's wallet, a vault wallet. And we're using that to build a gallery of amazing artworks. And also, we're now beginning to kind of build out the infrastructure to support artists in Web3 with really cool tools and guides and um, means to better self-promote. And so, yeah, that's something now that we're really starting to um, turn the screw on and start building out. And I've got some really exciting news I can probably share next week on that. So uh, if you'd like more information, please follow Audio Galleries on Twitter and follow the link in the Discord. This show is sponsored by Bueno, a Pablo Stanley uh, 
business. Bueno is launching its own ERC-1155 minting platform very, very soon, or minting product even, um, and they will be attending NFT Paris later this week, as will I, with the team from Humankind, so you can find out more about that there. Together, we're working to create better tools and systems and processes and opportunities for artists in Web3. Whew, gosh. Our artist today is Ariel Jade. Ariel Jade is an accomplished multidisciplinary artist, creative director, and animator from Los Angeles, California. Her talents and skills have been showcased in a variety of mediums, from beloved Web3 projects that have captured the hearts of many to the towering billboards of New York City. Ariel is also a timepieces artist and recently worked uh, on the Deepak Chopra 7 collection. Ariel's passion for her craft is evident in her unwavering dedication to inspire and uplift all communities that share her drive and her passion. Ariel, welcome and thank you for your patience. Thank you, Ben. First of all, happy thank you. birthday. I, I just would love to mention that you spent so much time to get all this prepped on your own birthday. So if you everybody could just throw oh. up a heart for Ben, like that's just insane. I, I truly, truly appreciate well, you doing this for me. And thank you for well, being no worries. It's my pleasure. I'm just so sorry. I didn't get to pay your very high energy, high tempo music at the beginning. I'm, uh, I'm going to get the tech right going forward. Um, but I love asking all of the artists that appear for an, uh, an intro and an exit song. And I've been getting some bangers, actually, which is great. And I'm actually building an audio galleries public playlist in Spotify. So give me a few more shows when we've got a few more done, and then everyone will be able to listen back to all of the guests and all of their tracks that, um, that we have featured on the show. How are you, Ariel? Are you good? I'm doing fantastic. I've had a pretty good week so far, pretty, pretty busy week, um, dealing with a couple of things and obviously prepping for this too, which I've been super excited for. When you mentioned this to me a couple weeks back, I just had to be a part of it and absolutely love the work that you've been doing with this and every artist that you've featured so far. So it was just a no brainer for me to come oh, up here and hang out with you thank guys. You. And speak to well, me. we've been having a lot of fun putting it together. We've had Cychrome, we've had Pablo. I'm delighted to say that you are my first female artist. Um, and I've also made like a bit of a pledge to myself that I will absolutely be going 50-50 on the male to female ratio without a doubt. Um, something I kind of like realized when I was about a week into pulling together my shortlist was that it was really weighted towards guys. And I just suddenly was like, what are you doing, Ben? Like, Guys don't need more of this. So um, I've been working on that. And yeah, I think I'm about the 50-50 ratio now, which is great. Um, okay, okay. Why don't we start with a very quick introduction from you? Because I introduced you, but I think you'll probably be able to introduce yourself better. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Well, my name is Ariel Jade. And like you said, I'm based out in Los Angeles, California. I'm a multidisciplinary artist, which means I don't have one particular style that I really stick with. I love working in a multitude of mediums that kind of just express the type of artist that I am in the moment. Um, and I have worked with a multitude of projects. Most of you have known me from my work from Star Catchers from a little while ago, which I'm still very thrilled with. Um, I've seen plenty of holders just come in and out. So it's been great to see that. 
Um, I've done work with Cool Cats. I've done work with a whole bunch of different projects. Um, and it's just been really fun to really engage with these communities and really, really, really be a part of it. So um, that's what I know the multitude of you all have seen me um, seen me around, basically, is just in Web3 doing all of that. And right now, I'm just a freelance artist, um, kind of working my way doing one-of-one artwork currently. And I actually have something special to announce. I did recently get acquired as a couple of days ago with a particular project that everybody does know and love, but I won't be announcing it until this upcoming week. Wow. So that's going to be very exciting news to share. Um, I didn't think I'd be going back to working with projects, but once they reached out to me, there was absolutely no way I could say no to it. So uh, it's definitely one that I know everybody loves and holds dearly. So I know a lot of you could probably make an educated guess, but I'm going to wait a little bit. That's amazing, so Ariel. Definitely that's such, uh, think on that in the next couple days. Cool Congratulations. <laughs> I can't wait to actually read and see uh, that announcement. I was hoping we might get something on the show, but I totally understand how these things work. You have to wait <laughs> for the ink to dry before you can start shouting it out. So good for you. Just yeah. a little bit. Um, Thank you. Okay, well, look, I typically, <laughs> I ask a bunch of questions. Um, so why don't we go right in? Um, I'm really eager to learn a bit more about kind of like your, um, like your story. So like how you became an artist, as an example, like, can you give us a bit of an introduction to your origin story? My villain origin story or my origin origin? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, man, I, I want to say the minute I could pick up my mom's lipstick and draw on a wall is probably when I was considered an artist, um, which kind of forced my parents to probably give me a set of pens and crayons. I was probably like three or four when it happened. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think growing up, I was really, really heavily influenced, um, mainly by my father, who absolutely loved comic books. He loved animation. He really got me into John Bluth, Disney, um, a lot, a lot of different things as a kid. Um, and he had a, a lot of artistic talents when he was younger that unfortunately he never could really uh, thrive in due to his environment that, you know, he was kind of put into art in his family was never really a masculine thing. And that was something that they really prided themselves with is having manly men in the house and they didn't believe art was a thing. So naturally my dad had daughters um, and he really tried pushing that onto us, being able to try and be expressive creatively by any means, which is something that I do appreciate from my own father who influenced a lot of that onto me. And so I had a lot of creative reign as a child to be able to explore different mediums. So anything I'd be fascinated by, whether it was um, comics, like reading Batman, Superman, whatever it was. Um, I got into anime as a kid. So a lot of Sailor Moon, um, some of the more niche anime, um, like Akira, Experimental Lane. Like there's a lot of different things that really pivoted my artistic abilities as a child growing up. Um, but it also kind of led me to have a more reclusive lifestyle. I didn't really have a lot of friends my household wasn't the greatest. Um, it, it was fairly abusive, even though that, you know, it was a thriving environment for a period of time when I was really young. And I really kind of hid my life through my art and it became my therapy for a very, very long time. So I, I prided myself in it. I would be trying to just build all this energy into creating art every single day of my life, almost up until I was 
I want to say 18, uh, when I graduated high school, um, I had to find means to try and, you know, uh, financially aid my own art, um, whether it be for college or anything else. So I ended up getting jobs um, as soon as I turned 18 that were not art jobs, just because I needed to be able to fund for it somehow. And oddly enough, all those years of making art for the love of it and for the sake of just healing myself and having a safe space, it kind of went out the window. So for almost a decade, I had put that on the back burner, um, unless it was an emotional outlet for me. And I really, really needed it during some dark times in my life. I really just pivoted on working nine to five jobs or instantly paying jobs and having a security blanket for financial stability and kind of forgot the reason as to why I was doing it in the first place. And at first it was to provide for art. And then it almost got forgotten about entirely uh, up until COVID, oddly enough. Um, when I was, I mean, the whole world kind of came to a full sure. stop and everybody was kind of put in a perspective of, you know, what can you do now from home? And at this time, I had just moved in with my boyfriend now, and he's a very creative individual. He's a director, and he's worked on movies. He's done photography his whole life. So he is a creative person by nature, completely and totally. We've both obviously grown up in different ways on how we express that creativity. And unfortunately, with mine, because I had put it on the back burner for so many years, nobody really knew my artistic abilities. And I often have hit it, including from my own partner, who I had been living with for quite some time. I'd lock myself in our bedroom, and I'd be painting or drawing, and he'd simply wonder like, why aren't you doing this for a living? And I was terrified of that. I'm like, these are my, this is my lifeline. These are my deepest insecurities, my darkest thoughts, like everything I've invoked emotionally into my work. I'm never really released into the world, at least for a not a really long period of time. I oh, never really showcased it. So I took a lot of, it, it definitely was, it was interesting, right? Cause people see my work now and they're like, wow, you must've mm-hmm. been doing this for so long. I'm like, yeah, but I took a massive hiatus, like almost a decade hiatus to get to where I am now. And luckily, like I do have this mindset where I can pretty much pick up where I left off artistically. I, I don't really need to reteach myself much because the art styles that I choose to do, I, I am constantly learning, right? Like that's just me as an artist. I feel like I constantly need to be doing that in order to thrive in any capacity. So I know once I started picking that up naturally um, during COVID, I just kept staying consistent with it until um, eventually I had a friend reach out to me um, who was a part of the Web3 experience and saying, hey, like, I'm, I'm very surprised at your artwork and I've seen it before and I want you to come work with me on some stuff. And I started doing a couple of digital things here and there that I didn't think I would be able to do just because it'd been so long since I'd been doing anything. And uh, it pretty much led me to here, oddly well, enough. It's a wonderful story. And I think it's really, really... Um... I think that would be really very encouraging for lots of people who perhaps have like a talent and have perhaps like slept on it or just perhaps been a little anxious to let it, let it go and let it happen. And um, I think it's incredible that you had that break and yet the work that we all see now, and I've obviously had to do a bit of a deep dive into some of your work. um, You know, you would never think for a minute that you took time out. It, it is um it's very very impressive and i can't wait to talk in a moment about uh about your work that you're minting with us today at audio galleries um why don't we talk a little bit then about like the art scene either where you're from like originally or like where you live now like what 
what do you take in around you like artistically where 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 have you positioned yourself and how do you kind of like feed your creativity you know what's funny is I was kind of thinking about that question now I'm like you know what everybody knows like the LA scene in general when it comes to art is insane it's unfathomable it's one of those things where even if you go to New York it's just everywhere but where I grew up it was I want to say a pretty pivotal point in my life artistically especially at a young age um, where it was just so diverse and it was eclectic with life everywhere that you went. And I, and for those of you who don't know, I don't really mention it that often. I'm from Northern California originally, so Sacramento, um, the Bay adjacent, I guess, um, where you pay your taxes in California. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's incredibly like, and people didn't know this for a long time. I would say in the more probably the last five years, it's gotten much much more insane. But growing up, it was such a hub for artists, especially this particular place called Midtown, um, where everywhere that you walked, I mean, you could find murals. That would probably be the number one thing that artists would um, kind of bring to life in that particular era was just murals. And if you know, or if you've ever been around there, everywhere, everywhere you walk, it's just artists are creating these works that are just adorned on every business, every building, wherever you go, there is life everywhere. And it's all different types of art. It's not one particular way. It's just literally everywhere. So seeing this, you know, growing up was always so incredible because of how they treated these artists in general and Sacramento in particular, just really wanted to enable these artists to really thrive and live and realize their full potential like I could remember uh, I had friends parents that uh, acquired free housing because they were full-time artists and as long as they were able to provide like proof that they had works that were being purchased it didn't matter what type of medium they were working on right as long as they were able to do that uh, Sacramento had certain housing areas where they would just provide free housing for said artists and I always thought that would be super incredible to do um, if I ever continued to live there and kind of mm. go back to that. But they've always given back to their art communities. And it's always been a thriving thing. And from a very young age, um, I know a lot of people here probably, like, especially here in the US, like when you're younger, you often take field trips. And sometimes those field trips are to museums and different places like that. And there's one particular museum in Sacramento called the Crocker Art Museum. And that was kind of a staple piece where uh, K through eighth, so like younger grades would kind of just go and learn about art. And there was a particular piece, I, I was probably in second grade when I had seen this, and I, I wasn't much of a painter, right? I did the basics for the time being, it was crowns and pencils. And then I grew into love painting just because of this artist that I saw um, in this museum. And it was it, it was probably the biggest painting I'd ever seen at the time. Mind you, I'm like three foot nothing uh, at this age, so everything's big to me, but this piece was so immaculate. And it was a picture of an old man and it looked like it was just iridescent the way that it was painted. Um, and it just invoked something in me. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I just, I realized from that moment on, I had a bond with this particular image. I didn't know what it was except for that. It looked like an old man that was asleep, but it was a huge painting. It seemed iridescent and it was so detailed and beautifully done. And I just kind of realized at that age, I want to create art like that. You know, I want to invoke a bond between myself and my audience or whomever's really looking at it. So I would say, especially where I grew up, I'm very glad that, you know, the type of art history and the artistic people that I surrounded myself with, especially in those areas where 
able to really provide a sense of inspiration for me at such That's a really age. nice. That's a great story. And I wonder, do you know or have a picture or anything of that piece? Like, do you still? Yeah. Um, let me find it real quick because it's funny every time. And, you know, I need inspiration. I look up this piece now and now that I'm older in the past couple of years, I've done more research on it and it's by Stephen, uh, I believe Kaltenbach. Um, and he was an artist in the seventies and sixties um, who was from New York and he came out to Sacramento and this particular piece I found out, which was absolutely insane. That piece was meant to be a bonding experience, like verbatimly something that he had stated um, to his audience because it marks several huge life experiences that he went through um, while creating this piece. It, it took him several years to make it, but it was just incredible. The breakdown I was able to read through and really listen to and kind of just watch and see awesome. how it all unfolded. And it's an image of his father dying, um, but it shows like basically a threshold of, what it is to be a being, right? There's no you, there's no me, there's no life or death. It's just simply being and existing. But I, I believe the title is um, The Death of My Father. I, I can look it up real quick and see. Yeah. But well, if you me, like, let, let's keep talking in a minute it. when the mint goes live. Um, I, I, I'll talk a bit yeah. more about that side of things and you can perhaps find it because it would be lovely to see that. It'd be really, really amazing. Totally. Um, I'm, I'm curious about what or maybe who inspires you, like, um, you know, favorite places, favorite artists, like, tell us a little bit more. I know you spoke at the beginning about perhaps some of the kind of like styles and things that you look to, like things like anime and things, like that. but I'm, I'm really interested, like, who are your favorite artists as an example? Oh, God. Oh, dear. That's such a huge list. I'll try and break it down as best <laughs> I can, because uh, being being the kind of artist I am, I look at somebody's art, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. And then I see someone else's art, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love that just as much, because every artist that I've fallen in love with is just so diverse, like, each and every way possible. Like, if I'm – just because we're talking about Web3 normally, I could probably pull out a couple people from that. Um Victor Mascara, I think, is a huge artist. Like, since I've been in this space, um, his color palettes, the way that he um, draws and the way that he renders his work is absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Um, definitely uh, one of the pivotal people that when I first came to the space, I was, like, immediately drawn to his style. I just absolutely loved You're the second it. person um, that told me about Victor Mascara <laughs> in a week. I can't, I can't remember who the first uh, one is. I would, I would I, believe I, it. Uh, someone told me uh, the other day, yeah. someone told me I need to look at their stuff. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it now. Oh, no, I I recommend his work for sure. Yeah. From his animation style to li literally anything that he's done, like it invokes something new when you look at it. So he was definitely one person that I bookmarked mm. the second that, you know, I came into this space. I was like, I'm yeah. going to watch that person. I'm going to see how they do. And I've absolutely loved being a supporter of theirs. Um, I'm trying to uh, Sam Spratt would probably <laughs> be another one. His very topical. Immaculate, of course. <laughs> Very, very, very like, I, I mean, these are people that's like, again, these people have different art styles majorly, but it invokes that feeling. It's just something I can see. And I'm like, damn, this is incredible. There's uh, probably another artist who does more surrealistic work. And if I really had to pick a, me a medium that would, I would gravitate towards or even kind of represents the work that, you know, we're mm -hmm. minting today, probably be like abstract nice. or surrealism, um, which there's a particular artist, IRF who I, I think he's a little bit newer. I'm not really sure. I know he's Chicago-based, but he also does some incredible, incredible work. Um, it's very dark, but I also can kind of gravitate towards that too. So I would say um, 
those particular people in general, like off the top of my head, I can think of for sure um, when it comes to that kind of type of stuff. But um, not Web3 native, Carol Gregg, who does a lot of Mm -hmm. water and um, oil coloring. And she she really invokes her native heritage, her indigenous heritage, which I'm also indigenous. So I grew up uh, having her works in my home for my mom. So it was definitely uh, another inspiration to kind of have um, on the side when it came to like watercolors and other types of um, mediums like that. Uh, Stephen Kaltenbach, yes, like I just course. mentioned before. Um, yeah, Mark Maggiore, who also does like acrylic painting, um, which is a lot of like Western cowboy themed, but just the way that he paints as well. I think you could see his work on Instagram, sometimes on Twitter. Uh, it's very immaculate, uh, Basquiat naturally. It's so on and so forth. Like there, there's just so many people I that I can it. name and it really just depends on the mood and what needs to be invoked out of me. But, I yeah, love it. Very eclectic. Uh, on that note, um, I will say. <laughs> I love this jingle, by the way. This jingle means. Artist edition is live. Our mint is live. Ariel Jade, which is wonderful news. Um, and it went live a couple of minutes ago. So, yes, um, I am going to pin your piece to the top of this uh, Twitter space. I should have been preparing that a moment ago. It's funny, isn't it? You know, when um, when you misjudge the beginning of a show, you ab- it absolutely throws you for the duration then. So the fact that that didn't work as well at the beginning um, really f- threw me. Here we are. So this is your piece, Art Block. And uh, so Audio Gallery's Mint Pass holders, I took a snapshot, as I said, about four hours ago. And you can now go through to the Manifold link, which is here. It's also um, on the official Audio Gallery's Twitter. And it is also in the Audio Gallery's Discord official links. Please, please go through the appropriate um, sources. I don't think anyone's copying us at the moment, but... um, I've seen a lot of it in the last couple of weeks. So just go to the Discord or go to the Audio Gallery's Twitter, find the Manifold link, and you won't be able to mint it if you haven't got a uh, an Audio Gallery's Mint Pass. Um, and yes, uh, I you sent me this Wednesday, and uh, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away, honestly. And I'd love to know a little bit more about it. Um, but before we get to that, um, there's also an animated version and the animated version is going to be made live on Tuesday evening. And um, this mint goes live for 24 hours, so it will go live till Monday evening, where I am in the UK, but at least in the evening. And it will take three of the static version to be able to burn and uh, claim an animated version. And I know you were saying that the... Static was your preference, but I think the animated version is absolutely amazing. And I'd love to know a little bit more about it. So I don't want to talk. I, I want to, I want to, I've got some other questions, but I would love to just delve a little bit into like, can you tell us a bit about this piece and tell us um, what you can about it? Oh, yeah. I, you know, what's funny is this is the first time I've showcased this piece um, and it's actually originally archived. I pulled this out because I was nervous to share it. It is a deep, it's a deep piece for me because one, I feel like this brings the start of a, a kind of color palette that people do kind of know me for now. Um, and color means a lot to me personally. Um, I have something called synesthesia 
And for a lot of people who don't know, it can be a variety of different things. But my particular form of synesthesia is whenever I listen to particularly music, I actually see colors. Um, so music is another huge thing for me too, that invokes, um, a lot of that to kind of happen and inspires me while I work. And this particular piece, I was in a very distraught state of mind and the basis behind it, of course, is within the title, which is the art block, which is the biggest nightmare for almost any particular artist. It doesn't matter who you are and what you're dealing with. Uh, for me, that art block is literally almost life and death for my creativity. And it's something that I've struggled with for years partially probably caused that hiatus for such a long period of time. I've always questioned myself. I always doubt myself. People get into these, you know, funks and ruts consistently. And it's a very, very normal thing. But for me personally, I'm not going to speak on artists and how they function and whatnot. It, it does feel like a life or death situation. It's an animalistic feeling inside of me that is just so aggressive that I kind of have to either pull the trigger um, on these insecurities and these thoughts and really just get that creativity out there and not be afraid of it and just say, Hey, I'm going to go hard or go home. I'm going to put everything out on this canvas and I'm going to relay all my feelings. I'm not going to listen to any, any of these little, little demons, which you can kind of see like on the outskirts, there's these little, little thoughts, these little evil beings that are kind of around that, that are kind of attacking you to do the thing that you don't want to do, which is have that art block, right? You need to be, stay inspired. You need to stay innovative. And for a lot of artists, that can be an incredibly difficult thing, even when you don't think about it like that. Um, and so for me, this piece is super personal in that way. Um, and that's just the simplest way to really explain it is, you know, this is just one of those moments in my life where I want to kill the art block. <laughs> I want to pull that trigger and say, I, I don't want to deal with the art block anymore. I need to be expressive and I need to be free. Um, so that's what this particular piece kind of represents for myself. Um, and I, I want to kind of hear people's thoughts, obviously, when they do look at it and see it. Um, and if other artists also think and feel the same way, I, I want to relate to all people who kind of view it um, in many different forms. So releasing this piece and thinking about it before I even showed it to you, I was like, you know what? I need to pull that trigger. I need to release this piece. I've been conflicted on it for about a year and a half now. Um, so I'm glad it's finally out in the open and it's here. And it's kind of like a big weight was kind of lifted off my chest when I came out about it. Um, but I've loved the response so far to it. And obviously I love that That's you amazing. love it. Um, and I, I've just gotten so much, so much praise for it, which has been amazing. And that's all I ever want is uh, kind of relaying what I said before is I want to create a bonding experience with my audience, regardless of how it is. And people know me for my, my silly memes or like different cartoon characters, but whether it's through something as simple as that or something super controversial or thought provoking, kind of like the piece that I made, I want to be able to create an experience with my audience and the best way well, that I can. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love the little like demonic characters around the outside. That was my favorite part of it when I initially looked at it, but actually I, uh, the more I look at it, the more I see. And so, um, yeah, I know that I will continue to enjoy looking at this piece for a long time. Um, and I'm really grateful that you shared it um, via the show. I'm very, honestly very, very, very uh, humbled and very proud. And I think it's awesome. So, yes, it's available now. It's available for the next 24 hours. Um, I've seen some have already been picked up, which is wonderful. And yeah, looking forward to also sharing the animated version um, in more detail with people too, which I think is incredible. Um, why don't we move back into kind of like your story a little bit? I'd love to talk to you about how 
you discovered the space. Um, and I know you've given us a bit of insight into that, but I wonder, like, this is something that always fascinates me and I'm always really curious about, which is like, okay, you discover Web3, but then how do you apply yourself to it? And what are your first thoughts? And then what are your kind of like first actions? I've spoken to people who have dived straight in. I've spoken to people that stood back and like looked at it for a long time before making their decision. How did you, how did you kind of discover it? And then what did it make you want to do first? And, and, and how does it make you feel as a space more generally? Totally. Um, I know all of us have our different experiences when it comes down to it. I think it gradually came to, we had mutual friends, uh, my boyfriend and I, who were already kind of kind of deep in crypto prior to the NFT boom that happened like late 2019, early 2020, like right pre-COVID or right at the beginning. Um, and this friend group of ours um, included a couple um, that we had met also pre-pandemic. And they'd visit us kind of frequently. And during the pandemic, once things started to kind of lighten up, we would do game nights with these friends and we all COVID tested. Don't worry, we were playing it safe. Um, <laughs> and they would gradually talk about kind of like their work and the husband in particular, he um, did stuff with different projects at the time, very, very early on, probably no projects that we had ever heard of just because it'd been that early. And we were playing a board game at the time when we were all kind of talking about it. And in this board game, um, it's called um, We're Not Really Strangers. And it's like an icebreaker game, kind of like Cranium and a couple different games combined. But in this particular game, uh, you're given a notepad and a, and a pen or whatever. And in some of the game, you can actually either write, draw, do some different things. And uh, I, this part of the game where I had to draw... Uh, the person in front of me, basically, I had 30 seconds to do it. So my friend's wife and I had 30 seconds to draw each other, sketched it out, no problem. We hand each other our papers. I look at the one she gave me. It was a stick figure with curly hair. It was super cute. Loved it. <laughs> Went and put it on my fridge. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't care what kind of art you make, even if you feel like it's not good enough. I, I adore art regardless. And I come back in the living room and her and her husband are just staring at this doodle that I made of her. And he looked up at me. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing, doing like online work for a company that you don't care for? Like, why are you not doing this for a living? And he looks at my boyfriend and my boyfriend shakes his head and he's like, I've been telling him this forever. And he slowly started giving him a tour of like the back area of our room where I keep all of our pictures and paintings, stuff that I had done. And they're like, okay, this has got to change. So immediately uh, the husband asked me like, hey, if I give you some gigs to do some work for some crypto projects you know, would you, would you try this? Would you do it? And at the time I was working um, for a company called Zara and I was working at, at one of their, um, it's one of their facilitators in, in corporate and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to give it a shot. I want to do both and, and see how it turns out. Cause my biggest fear was never being able to be financially dependent and do what I love at the same time. I didn't think I could, it would be possible. So slowly but surely, he was giving me jobs um, here and there to make some artwork, mainly sticker packs for Telegram and for Discord. Um, so like little sticker emotes. And eventually, uh, I want to say about a month or two in is when the NFT boom kind of happened. And this is before NFT spaces. This is like, uh, I would say, what was the other one called? Uh, yes. Clubhouse. That's when everything kind of peaked. And then this is how I really, really got into the space after is uh, through these group of friends who had supported me a few months prior. They're like, okay, this is kind of game time. Like, this is what's happening. 
and we want you to be a big part of this pivotal movement. Why don't you try doing one-of-one artwork? And at the time, I really didn't understand it. I was extremely nervous about it. Um, the art block was kind of coming on. I was like, oh no, like, I don't even know what to do. Like Genesis pieces were a huge thing. So your first piece was the ultimate piece people had to collect. So it had to mean a lot. It had to have something. And there was a lot of pressure on that for a really, really long time. And I ended up doing it. I did a couple of times. I got collectors and it, it was a really thrilling experience. And actually having people who had faith in me from my partner pushing me, the friends I had originally onboarded pushed me into it. And you know, it was nerve wracking. Absolutely. Like I almost quit before even this, you know, this last couple of years like happened. I almost quit because I was just so nervous about it. And I didn't want to know if, you know, I would be known for a girl who drew a specific style or did different things. But eventually people got to know me later on as the girl who draw, who would draw buff stars for a living. So eventually I gave up on that idea that I had to be a perfect artist and do one thing. You know, I, I just fell in love with doing a multitude of styles after that and slowly but surely different uh, people, different artists, different projects started coming forward and asking me to do work for them. And uh, I want to say Klon from Cool Cats actually gave me my first big break in this space by doing the first derivative artwork for Cool Cats. And it was for pixel art, which is something that I hadn't picked up in almost 10 years and I did it for him. And it's still one of my favorite pieces to this day. And I'm really glad for somebody like him, another artist who understands what it's like to invest in others and really, really push boundaries when it comes to art and the communities that surround it. So uh, that's, for the most part, how I got my start and led me to working with a multitude of projects after that, um, including being the lead artist for Starcatchers at one point, and now moving onward to bigger things. I love so, it. And yeah. it's, a, you know, what, what a compliment from someone like Klon you know say what you will about cool cats <laughs> it's one of the top ones isn't it it's one of the ones that everyone looks at and uh i love the i love the cats absolutely um i uh first time interestingly my my most enjoyable experience of cool cats was at uh nft nyc last summer when they had cooltopia and that was that yes. activation was oh, like nothing I've ever seen in Web3. And I know Doodles have done similar things. But they're kind of like Doodle Putt. And, but that honestly was um, was as good as any activation I've seen of any IP anywhere in the world. And it was incredible. And I saw you the day after. <laughs> and I saw you in American Eagle on Times Square. Um, <laughs> oh <my laughs> where God. you had launched a um like a small like collection of clothing um with star catchers and so i'm wondering like how it feels to have created obviously like digital art is where this is starting but that whole kind of like bridge between between creating you know mintable jpegs and then seeing your work up on like you know the the massive signs in uh, Times Square or creating, um, you know, clothing that's available to purchase in stores. Like what's that been like in terms of being a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But be, yeah, I guess like try being able to project your work in different, different ways. I, it's something I still think about almost every day to this day since it happened because in my lifetime as a kid, like that, that's something I'd always wonder, right? I was like, do actors, do models, do these people who get put on billboards their whole life ever get tired 
of seeing like either themselves or their own work, anything that's just being broadcast to the world in such a large environment to so many people, because as I've spoken before, like the biggest insecurity I had was people seeing, you know, myself, like my work, you know, my, my deepest emotions and everything, you know, just projected onto the world. How does that make people feel like, are they okay with that? Would they ever get tired of it? And the day that it happened, and I'll never forget, you know, my boss at the time texted me like, hey, it goes on at 2 a.m. We can go see it right now. It's at night. But, you know, we get to see the first seconds of it, you know, being broadcasted. And I was like, oh, we got to jump in for <laughs> right now. And we went and I, I almost broke down crying. I probably did. And I don't remember it. But it was just such an emotional moment, just kind of just seeing that happen and everything I'd worked for just being brought to life in the middle of Times Square, that my second time ever visiting New York, like it's just something that was so unimaginable. And I could remember that question I'd asked myself, like since I was a kid about how people felt about seeing their work. And I sat there and I was like, I don't think I could ever get tired of seeing my art. If I, this were to happen like every other year with like different art, whatever I'd be doing, like, I just, I want people just to see how hard I've worked and see it brought out to the world. I want to see people get excited and happy that you know, I'm bringing some sort of joy to them at some sort of capacity and watching people kind of come into the store. We went back the next morning during store opening and uh, I, I had worked in fast fashion for over a decade. So I've been in these stores before. Like I had worked for Hollister. I'd worked for Victoria's Secret. Like I've been the opposite of being an artist. I've been at the, ca- I've been the cashier, you know, I've been the person who's done the floor sets for a lot of these different uh, businesses so walking in and seeing like the associates kind of staring at all of our merch that was a little bit random at the time, but it was with the littles, um, I think Wonder Pals That's and right. Little Lemons too yeah. alongside with us. And it was me, my boss, and my boyfriend just walk in and I'm just staring at it. And my particular piece that I did uh, was on like the front, um, one of the front displays and it was hanging on a mannequin. I just sat there. I was like, this is crazy that I'm not the one folding the clothes and putting it down. It's I'm the one admiring the work that I put in to making that piece of clothing and selling it to somebody and seeing random kids and random people walk up and grab one of my t-shirts and go buy it. I just stayed there for almost an hour, just like watching like a creeper silently, but like getting so excited (laughs) about it. I was like, this is, this is nuts. And then we had NFT people finally like putting two and two together. Like they came and saw it. We ended up talking to them for a while and, it was just such a heartfelt experience to me and it's just something I never want to let go of. And it's, it's a consistent drive for me, this memory and being put in that position of, I can't wait to continue to do more and do better. Like I know what I did was probably crazy for me at the time, but it always pushed me to want to be able to do more and do better with work and just continue to just change it all up and keep going and keep doing those things. So I'll never forget being there and having that experience and just having the full support of all of my loved ones, friends, community, family, just being there supporting me, you know, from the few years ago where I didn't feel like I could do that or be that type of person to finally becoming that person and be like, I just, I want to keep doing this for like the rest well, of my it life. Looked very, very cool. I must admit it was, uh, it was very, very impressive and um, yeah, huge congrats for that. Um, I, Oh, like, one of my questions was, tell us about your plans for Web3 in the future. Now, I know you've obviously got a big gig that you're going to be talking about soon. Um, but I don't know, maybe you prepared something that's a bit more holistic or looking into the future. Like, what what is your 
um, your driver? Like, what are you, what do you, what would you like to achieve in the space? You know what? Um, I'd probably talk to this in a, in a multitude of spaces, but regardless of who I'm with or kind of what I'm doing, the biggest thing that I want to provide in this space is for other creatives and other individuals to really also come forth and be at this table with the rest of us um, coming into this space in general. It's very, it's very scary. You know, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. It's a little nerve wracking and you don't know where you necessarily belong um, when you kind of come into it. And I luckily had the privilege of encountering a handful of different artists and people who were already sitting at this table and extended a seat to me, you know, and kind of showed me the ropes and were so gracious in any capacity. And it really kind of made me feel like, you know what, I want that to be the biggest drive for myself is to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for people and being that type of individual that they can, I wouldn't say look up to, but they can really look to for that advice and to really see like, you know what, if she's willing to persevere and do these things to extend a seat to me, I want to continue to that chain. I want to be able to continue doing that for others. And hopefully we can just have a conglomerate of people just eating at the same table where we're making all of our work happen, where we're displaying our art and doing all of these things. Like I just want to coincide and just influence to the best of my abilities, like for people to believe in themselves and continue to do what they love to do. And even if you feel like you can't do that thing or you're too scared to do it, I I recommend just pulling that trigger and trying it out because it literally could be 10 years before you want to do that one thing you want to do. Try it do it. You never know what's going to happen. The last two years of my life have changed exponentially and is probably going to change the trajectory of the next couple years for me to come. And I've never been so excited in my life. Like that fear is slowly dwindling away. And I'm really wanting to be here to pacify those, those fears that others may have and really just have them come sit next to me. You know, let's, let's work, let's thrive, let's make these communities and, uplift them and let's Amazing. see where this goes i love that and uh and i think you know you're ideally placed i can't wait to hear what your news is in the coming weeks um uh okay so um i usually lean in with some quick fire questions um and i am gonna do the same now so i am gonna ask you ariel jade what is your favorite film your favorite movie Oh my God. Uh, I'm prepared for this. I would say um, off the top of my head, it's called Comet. Um, probably it's kind of like an indie film. Um, Jason Lawn's in it, but it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely more of an indie film for sure, but it's my go-to whenever I'm feeling really sad or depressed. And it kind of talks about like parallel universes and a particular relationship between the main characters um, it's, it's very interesting, but Comet is what it's called. Um, but if we're really talking about like movie, movie, I love it. Oh, yes. Um, and then Guilty <laughs> Pleasure. And then probably Guilty Pleasure is De- uh, Devil Wars Prada. Nice. That's probably the how about one. The, how, um, about your fa- yeah. <laughs> how about your favorite book? Oh my God. Favorite book. Um, anything by Neil Gaiman. Um, I would probably, I mean, I can't pick and choose. I would say he's my favorite author and he creates like a multitude of books that I mm-hmm. absolutely love. Um, and I know comic books aren't really reading no, books, they count. but they absolutely I would say, count. Oh, 
then I'll say okay. the Sandman. Um, I was huge into that for a very long time. I'm so glad it came out on Netflix finally. If you guys haven't seen it, please watch it. It's absolutely worth it. But um, because my dad heavily influenced Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore as well um, onto me for pretty much since I was able to read, even though I probably shouldn't have been reading that at a very young age. Um, those those two particular writers, I think for me, are just heavily influenced um, everything Love that it. I do now. Favorite fictional character? Ooh. Hmm. Optimist oh, wow. Prime? I did not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, how, how far? Yeah, no, that's great. I love it. Favorite brand? Like, there's so many brands. I know. Problem. I choose one. Um, <laughs> shoot. Um, I'll say like a recent brand that I've been kind of obsessed with. Uh, it's called Child of Wild. Um, I think they're a San Diego brand in general, but um, I love their jewelry. I love that they're um, eco-friendly, that kind of stuff. I'm a really big supporter of that. And I actually know the photographer that does a lot of the marketing for it. And she's really cool too. So I'm glad I get to support her, through, um, her work through that too. Um, I used to model a lifetime ago, so I did stuff with her. So seeing her work and seeing some of her business thrive, like I'm always down to help, uh, smaller nice. businesses I'm on their whatnot. site now so looks child great. wild oh that's great uh, so yeah if anybody has a girlfriend or a wife you want to find jewelry that's a really good place to work. <laughs> um or treat themselves um uh <laughs> favorite yes. place uh like let's see i would say you know what's funny i would say really? india is like my favorite place that i've traveled to so far i've had I've had the perks of uh, dating someone who's traveled all over the world. And of course his love language is being able to share that with me. So one of the places we had visited um, was India and that was something I never really put on my bucket list. And I came back from that a couple of years back and I definitely recommend it being either a top three or top five of places to go in the world. You definitely need to put India on your list. It's so incredible and amazing. so amazing. Yeah. I have a friend, Liam recently, just went and spent a lot of time in India and came back and uh, I haven't caught up with him about it, but I know while he was there, he said it was incredible. Um, okay. And final one, favorite food, favorite food, my favorite. Yeah. I will say it's Mexican food. Die hard. We'll never not change that. I had Taco Bell this morning. I'm a trash person, I know. And that's not real Mexican food, <laughs> but I plan on getting some some good uh, around the corner. There's an authentic spot that I absolutely love. They know me by name and they know my order. So that's how, oh, that's I love, how you know. I love it, it when that comes off. Part, so. um, <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going to very quickly move over to Casey at Infinite Objects. Hey, hey. How you doing? All right. Hey there. Very Great. well, How thank you. you. I'm, I'm going to get you up uh, in two weeks to come and um, maybe have five minutes with us. Not next week because I'm in Paris, um, but uh, the following yeah. week we'll do that. But um, just very quickly, our friends at Infinite have a radical vision. They believe that moving images should be appreciated the same way posters, prints, and photographs have for decades, not just trapped on phones, laptops, or in our camera roll or on social media. And so their product is a permanently treated display that they call a video print. No apps, no fussy configuration, just one video looping forever. Um, and you have a large uh, video print for us, um, which you are going to give to one of 
the members of the audience um, with Pablo Stanley's Dreamer from last week, which is a, another beautiful piece that we've been lucky enough to mint. So, Casey, do you have a winner? I do have a winner, and the winner is It's Joe. Ah, it's Joe. Look at that. It's Joe's in London. Hello, It's Joe. Yay, she's clapping and waving in hearts. Congrats. Lovely. Very, very cool. Well, wonderful. And um, Casey, thanks so much. Now, next week, we are going to be um, uh, doing this again. And when we do it, it will be with Ariel Jade's piece here. So it will be with Art Block and, um, and so on and so forth. So, yes, really looking forward to seeing you again, Casey. And as I said, we'll get you up properly to have a really good conversation about this tech and what you're creating and what you're building at Infinite Objects. Thanks so much for coming up again. Nice one. Thank you. Um, Well, listen, everybody, um, that concludes today's uh, episode. I just want to ask Ariel if she has any final words. Well, um, (laughs) pursue your dreams. Don't put anything on the back burner, please. Um, Do what you love. Don't be afraid to do those things. Wish Ben a happy birthday because he was so kind to do this on his birthday. Thank you. Um, and obviously stay safe out there, guys. Much love and appreciation. Um, tune in next week. I'll be announcing what project I'm working with. And I hope you love what I've, what I've shared today and what I share in the future. Thank so, you so love much, you Ariel. Jade, I am so very grateful for your time. You were one of my, um, yeah, one of my hot list at the very beginning who I wanted to have come up and share their work with us. And um, I could not have imagined that you would have shared a piece like art block and uh, i'm absolutely blown away by it so thank you so much thank you for your time and thank um you. and yeah i'm really looking forward to hearing your news though later this week so yeah please make sure you tag me when you send it out <laughs> um, oh, <I> will. <laughs> next week the show will be on saturday not sunday so in six days time and it will be earlier in the day it'll be like 9 a.m for you guys over in pacific so i'm sorry about that but um The reason it will be there is because I will be hosting from NFT Paris and I will be joined by Craig Redman. Craig is the artist and founder of Dawa Darcells, but he is also one half of the artistic duo Craig and Carl. And if you haven't seen Craig and Carl before, I I recommend you all rush to Google now and take a look at his work with Craig and Carl. We will be minting a Craig and Carl piece for the first time ever, which is very, very exciting. Um, And so, yeah, that will be live from Paris next Saturday at, I think, 3.30 in the afternoon local time or 4.30. I can't remember. But yes, um, I've already scheduled the post and I will share it with you all again this week. So thank you so much. um, And I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. And that will, again, be another wonderful piece of artwork. I am going to play out and hope that this time you actually hear music and not just me breathing down the mic. Um, Ariel, you chose Better Not, which is Louis or Lewis the Child and uh, Wafia, and it's a great track. Um, I've been listening to it a bit since you shared it with me. So, guys, feel free to hang around for a bit while I play that out. It's three and a half minutes, um, or go and enjoy your Sundays. But, Ariel, thank you for your time again. Audience, Thank you all so much for coming up and um, I'm really looking forward to 
seeing you all soon. Thanks ever so much, everyone. This is Audio Galleries. Conversation.